0: Life Church family, hey! Welcome to another pour over with Pastor podcast. I'm excited that you are here with us today, and what I'm really excited about uh, is today we've got a coffee from Merit Coffee Company. This is a San Antonio uh, company, a San Antonio-based company, and um, many of you have probably gone to their coffee shops uh, here in the area. Uh, I picked this up on Monday. And um, I have been looking forward at today's Thursday, we're recording this, and I've been looking forward to uh, tasting this coffee all week long. So I'm excited from it. Um, It is called La Senda Triple Honey. It's from Guatemala. Um, And you'll see why um, I chose something from Guatemala here in just a little bit. We've got a guest with not really a guest, it's a family, right? But a couple of things I wanted to uh, let you guys know before we uh, actually uh, do the pour over, just to kind of give you guys uh, a little bit of info on this particular coffee. Um, uh, It's from the, the finca called La Senda, again, uh, it's from Guatemala. I'll let our guest pronounce what the uh, the name of the the actual city is um, it has uh, a couple of uh, different varieties. Catura uh, and Pache are the the two varieties that this coffee is made of. and it has uh, tasting notes of vanilla, cedar, and golden raisin. Now, the really cool thing uh, about Merritt coffee is they actually have uh, some different coffee, uh, they have some different coffee information um, and on on one of the notes. and so, um, I'm going to read off just a couple of things. Their actual coffee notes say that it has some pink lemonade, some clémentine, and some golden raisin in it. So uh, that's going to be pretty, pretty cool. And they actually use a really unique type of processing system. Uh, it's called the uh, triple honey processing system. So um, many of you know, there's uh, washed natural and honey processing uh, for coffee. Uh, this actually uses uh, something that they call, I think it's a bio... Um, a uh, bioreactor so that one of the parts of the processing, of that triple processing is a bioreactor. They infuse carbon dioxide into uh, the actual coffee beans and then, uh, they actually rehydrate the coffee beans for about 12 hours, uh, before they dry them again. So just some really interesting things that they do, uh, with the process in, uh, in this particular coffee. Uh, again, like I said, I'm excited. It sounds really interesting. Um, hopefully it tastes as interesting as it sounds. Uh, and we will go ahead and, uh, get into this. So I know that was a long intro for today's video, but I just thought this, this coffee right here really merits. Uh, a long intro. All right, uh, let's go ahead and pour over this coffee. Okay, well, uh the podcast is starting. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, as you can see, um the guest, which really isn't a guest, is uh Osman. And so Osman is with us, which is why um I actually said uh, you know, it was it was important and I intentionally got something from Guatemala, this coffee. So the coffee we're drinking today, Osman is from Guatemala. Now I'm gonna let you say the uh the name of the the place.
1: Then the name of the place. Claro que si. Bueno, primero que nada, quiero agradecer la oportunidad que me das de poder estar aquí. I want to thank you for this great opportunity to share with you. As you know already, I'm going to try to be bilingual as much as I th- can.
0: This will be a Spanglish. Uh, Spanish, yeah, there
1: we go. A Pero vamos uh, a tratar de, de hacerlo de la mejor manera. El nombre de la ciudad es Acatenango. 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 Okay. And that is really close to the city of Antigua Guatemala, which was the capital of Guatemala before... Um, in the 1800s. So um, it's a great place. It's a, they have like a great coffee. It's the um, El Ambiente, El Clima is super nice. It's kind of like a spring all the time. It's lowest 70s, the highest mm-hmm. is 72. So it's super, super nice. And that's why El Café de Guatemala in Acatenango specifically is so good. Because yeah. the the, 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 elevation. The, yeah, the elevation helps a lot.
0: That's really neat. And you were telling me there's a, is there a volcano in that area? Yeah.
1: Hay varios volcanes. Incluso en esa ciudad hay tres volcanes. Está el volcán de Acatenango, el de fuego y el de agua. Um, Y se llaman las tres hermanas porque Ah. están unidos. Um, So many people try to hike those volcanoes. And I was telling the story. um, Cómo ir a estos volcanes te cambia la perspectiva de eh, ver la creación del Señor. Super nice. So when you
0: have a chance, yeah, go. <laughs> that, that, would be, that sounds like an amazing trip. Yeah. So, um, well, we're going to be talking today about unity. Um, and so I think that uh, just, you know, this is something that we've talked about and we've had conversations about uh, in the past and, and how important unity is for a church. La unidad. Que tan importante es para nuestra iglesia. Uh, tener unidad uh, siendo uh, diferentes servicios, uh, being different services, but at the same time um, being one church, right? Siendo una iglesia. So, I wanted to start off with this idea of why is unity important in the church. Um, and, uh, and so we see throughout the scripture, right, that unity is something that is strived for. But kind of from your perspective, Osman, why would you say unity is something that is important and, and needs to be in, in the church?
1: Creo que la unidad uh, atrae. Mm-hmm. Especialmente en estos tiempos en donde vivimos, eh, eh, en una época donde la división es el tema de cada día, cuando ves algo unido, de cierta manera te atrae a ver por qué es esa unión. Podemos ver, por ejemplo, en la Biblia cómo refleja la unidad, el amor, ¿no? Y puse aquí la tolerancia en un mundo tan dividido, ¿no? Creo que el Señor nos llama a unirnos incluso con aquellos con los cuales no queremos unirnos eh, cuando nos dice que amemos a nuestro enemigo de igual manera, ¿no? En este caso no es que estamos conviviendo con nuestro enemigo, pero hay ciertas cosas que tenemos que ser tolerantes para poder unirnos. Creo que la unidad es importantísima porque atrae a, al mundo, atrae yeah. al perdido, ¿no? Y creo que es el primer reflejo del amor de Dios hacia un mundo perdido.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a, a very um, key thing. Even if we think about evangelism, right? You know, it's a form of evangelism being united because um, the the world is looking for you know that 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 place where they can belong, that place where they can see and sense love, and where there's no unity. They're not going to see that, and um, and so yeah, I think that's a, a great uh, perspective to have because it's a it's an outward reflection, um, of you know who God is, the love that God has uh, that God has for us, and so unity, you know, being being a, a key thing for us to 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 be striving for to show the world. And I, and I think you said something real interesting. The world is more and more divided. I mean, we we see that especially in our our political system now, and in, in the world that we live in. There's you know. It seems like we get more and more polarized as time goes by, and so one way that we can reflect who God is and be countercultural is by actually being, you know, more united. Um, so, anything else that you see as being a kind of a, a, a important, yeah, united- an, an important. Bueno, unity? I think for
1: the present time that's the key, no. I creo mm-hmm. que dijiste es la palabra clave evangelismo, no. Estamos llamados a predicar el evangelio. Yeah. Y muchas veces tiene que ser con nuestra boca, pero asimismo con nuestras acciones, ¿no? Y creo que la iglesia es el mayor reflejo de la unidad no solo entre nosotros, pero la unidad con Dios mismo, ¿no? So we have to reflect our unity with God as well. In the best way that we can do is if we can be tolerant and we can live together, you know. Pero creo que también es una visión hacia el futuro. Y lo podemos ver en Apocalipsis donde dice que todas las naciones le alabarán a él, ¿no? Y creo que ese es Nosotros somos el reflejo del futuro que nos espera, no importando raza, no importando cultura, no importando nuestras indiferencias o nuestras diferencias, porque al final del día pues somos del mismo señor, no yeah,
0: yeah and and that's that is I think um a very key thing you know the 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 final picture that we have is is a, a picture of unity, and Jesus desired that for for his disciples, you know he 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 prays. I pray that that my disciples are are one as you and I are one. You know, it's talking about Him and the Father, and so there's this desire for for the the, the body of Christ to be one. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen eleven says Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encouraging one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And, and so, not only is that something that that Paul is is really uh, exhorting the church in Corinth to do is to say hey let's let you know strive for that full restoration but there's a, a promise attached to that right where it says and the god of love and peace will be with you so where there's unity god is in that you know and and he's he's uh working in those places where there's disunity there's often fractures in in uh the community and many times it's hard to accomplish things that god has called us to accomplish when there is that disunity cuando no hay esa unidad no, no podemos hacer las cosas que dios nos ha llamado a hacer Y creo sí. que
1: tiene que ver con el hecho de nuestra propia naturaleza. El mm-hmm. Señor nos creó para vivir en comunidad. Eh, nunca nos creó para estar solos. Si lo vemos desde la creación, ¿no? Dios creó a, a Adán, a, al hombre, y dijo, no es bueno que esté solo, ¿no? Sí. Y si vemos incluso en, en la creación de los animales, pues los creó en pares también. Entonces estamos llamados a vivir en unidad, en unidad eh, desde el núcleo, ¿no? Unidad con Dios primeramente, en unidad muchas veces a todos los que podemos vayan van a poder tener unidad con una pareja, ¿no? Yeah. Con su esposa o su esposo y unidad eh, familiar, ¿no? La familia, por lo menos en el contexto hispano, así como también en muchas familias angloamericanas, the unity is so important. Es aquí, es aquí elemental. Yo creo que el señor mismo en su en su creación el hecho de crearnos con el deseo y la necesidad de eh, compartir o trabajar en equipo es es parte de la unidad no lo vemos también en la Trinidad mm-hmm. el yeah. Señor trabajó yeah, no trabajó true. solo sino vemos que en muchas aunque la palabra Trinidad Trinity doesn't appear like the word in the Bible uh-huh. we can see so many implications to it you yeah. know? y el Señor es el mayor ejemplo de eso él él está no que lo necesita pero nos enseña la importancia de trabajar
0: unidos yeah and and it's interesting because the opposite of that right is is isolation and we were talking um, this last lesson uh, on Wednesday night, uh, we were talking about the doctrine of sin and, um, and, you know, how we have this tendency, even after being Christians, um, that we're still wrestling with our flesh, right? And so um, even as Christians, we have this tendency to, to move towards isolation, um, to move towards being a, a homogeneous, right? To the, be around the people that are like us. Um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end of the podcast about what the you know it looks like in the future to to have a church that's multicultural multiethnic um but many times what we want what we'd strive for or or go towards because of our fleshly desires is uh to to be around the people that look like us that act like us um and uh, and so we we're constantly having to battle that in order to fight for unity mm-hmm. um and uh, and I think that that's one of the the things where it's a strive for full restoration right there, it's It's a battle. You know, mm-hmm. fighting for mm-hmm. unity is not something that comes naturally um because of our our human nature, but you know, through Christ and through the Holy Spirit, that change begins exactly. to happen. So um let's talk a little bit about what unity looks like for uh, us as a church. right? Okay. Yeah. um and uh, and so, you know the the idea behind the podcast is is really kind of looking at our mission and vision and saying, hey, what what does uh, what is the DNA of life church? Mm. And so you and I have talked about this uh, before in the past. Um, for those that don't know, um, which I'm pretty much sure everybody that that's watching this, uh, Pastor Osman is a Spanish pastor. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and we use that term kind of lightly because he does a lot more than just the Spanish service. (laughs) So, um, uh, but he, um, you know, he's involved in, in, in really all the services. And I think that, that, that shows the idea of being three services in one, right? Um, because Pastor Osman is picking up donations and, and, uh, you know, from, uh, uh, Walmart, when we do that, or you know, helping with the the food distribution and different things, and those are all all the services really working together because uh, we have people from the English service, we have people from the Spanish service that are all involved in that. So, um, kind of in your idea, your thoughts, and then I'll, I'll add on to that is you know what what do you feel like it looks like to have a church that is united, that has you know three services, you know one church kind of thing. I mean, what how do you well, we see that? en
1: la foto, ¿no? En the picture it looks amazing, uh-huh. pero it's la like que hard work behind it. So, tú puedes verlo desde la primera de, primera la vista y tú puedes decir, "Wow, el, 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 se ve fantástico, pero hay mucho trabajo por detrás." Y eso es algo que tú y yo no creamos, es algo que que pues los pastores anteriores tuvieron en mente y Dios puso en en su corazón para honrar a aquellos que estaban aquí antes en esta iglesia, porque pues Sabemos que hubo una fusión en, en Life Church, uh-huh. uh, pero asimismo para poder trabajar eficazmente, eficazmente con los grupos que venían. Y creo que es contradictorio. Uh, de, y déjame decirte por qué. Porque estamos hablando acerca de la unidad y de repente estamos hablando de una iglesia que tiene tres servicios. Eso uh, es como que, ok, sí o no. Ajá. Pero creo que en este aspecto lo que estamos viendo no es el hecho de que no somos una iglesia. Entendemos cada servicio que pertenecemos a, a una misma visión, a un mismo cuerpo, pero estamos divididos en tres grupos para poder eh, trabajar o poder servir mm, con mayor eficacia. Uh-huh. ¿Qué, ¿Qué significa esto? Que nuestra alabanza, que uh-huh. eh, la predicación sea conforme a la necesidad del grupo que yeah. estamos atendiendo, ¿no? Y creo que eh, esa es la, la belleza de eso, ¿no? Uh-huh. ¿Qué es más trabajo? Of course, yeah. it's, it's more work porque you have to divide the three services according to the worship, to the preaching. Yeah, um, it's more Language, work in, yeah. in, the, in the whole sense. Pero al final del día, um, creo que es parte de la belleza de esta iglesia, no? Porque yeah. las personas pueden venir y pueden decir este servicio. Me no es que me llene más, pero. Uh, me
0: ayuda más. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Help is help me more. And we're serving spe- uh, specific audiences, mm-hmm. you know. And but I I I think this is a a key part of of what the church uh, should do, right? Is is say, hey, you know, what are the needs of our of our congregation? How do we serve those needs? Um, you know, Spanish service being one that serves you know the needs of people that are Spanish speakers, right? And so, um, being able to to meet those needs. Um, our traditional service really kind of gathering most of the people in our traditional service, right? Our, our eight o'clock service, are older people, um, and so there's different needs that the older people are going to have. Uh, you know, as a, as a as a community, uh, worship styles, all those kinds of things, and then um, within our English service, there's specific needs. But I think the 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 important part, and you were you you mentioned it about vision, right? Is we're all working towards one vision, um, and so when we have leadership meetings, what we really try to do is have people from the three different services uh, involved in those in those uh, planning or you know those meetings, um, because we all want to be on one accord. We want to be working towards the same thing. So when we we cast vision as leaders and we talk about where we're going, it's not like okay, this is the English service vision. They're going this way, and the Spanish service vision is going this way, and then uh, you know we, maybe we'll meet in, together and you know that we're really working towards one common goal. So if there's something we say, hey, we're going to be about. Uh, family, this year is going to be really focused, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, this, this, um, you know, this year, we're going to be focusing on kids and families, um, developing you know, closeness and relationships. That's for the whole church. That's not just for one particular service. Now, um, there may be, re- realistically, there may be one service that needs a little bit more than the other service, but it's for the whole church. Um, and the other part of that I think that um that we we fail to understand um sometimes, but but I think it's important for us to to really kind of uh, start to grasp is this idea that um our our teaching, what we've been really trying to do over the last uh, couple of years is is move our teaching um to 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 kind of be one, right? And so sometimes I think maybe the congregation doesn't realize, but you and I, we preach um the same sermon series. Uh, and so, for the most part, you know, we're preaching out of the same texts, and so we're we're sitting together a lot of times and comparing and sharing notes and and uh, and helping each other on that. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing because we're not, you know, okay, well, I'm going to do this sermon and that, you know, and then our Sunday schools are on the same material, um, which I think is an important thing. So, you know, we're we're working together as a church to to go through a lot of the same things, and I think that. That trickles down into like the the vision, the way that we work things out, because what we're doing is we're learning the same things. So the the hope is that we're growing in the same direction as well. So I think that that's one of the 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 interesting things that we do as a church too is that we're all kind of on the same the same curriculums and the same sermon series.
1: But Al final del día, I think we have to uh, understand or to highlight uh, the concept of the, it's, it's a hard work. It mm-hmm. sería mucho más fácil. Y, sí.
0: sí.
1: y esa es la tendencia. Creo que no solamente nosotros, sino en el pasado eh, sentían esa tendencia de sabes que cada quien mejor, sí. porque conoces más. Y mucha gente te va a decir, ¿sabes? es mejor que tú te enfoques en este grupo porque tú conoces mejor las necesidades y en cierto aspecto es, es real. Pero cuando tú hablas acerca de trabajar juntos, tú contextualizas la necesidad de acuerdo a lo que estás predicando. Por ejemplo, en los mensajes predicamos el mismo uh, Bible verse, pero no significa que we deliver in the same yeah. note, you know, sino and, and our application, the I application mean. part is different. So creo que debemos de, de ver aquí que primeramente es hermoso, pero hay un trabajo muy grande y esto nos llama a a nosotros a poder involucrar, delegar a más personas para que el trabajo no se vuelva tan pesado. no Y en segundo creo que es Que debemos de trabajar intencionalmente. We, we have to do intentionally the idea of like bring unity all the time. Y, y creo que durante los años hemos mejorado en cuestiones de uh, cómo nosotros podemos intencionalmente tener comidas juntos, servicios unidos juntos, más que, uh, que años anteriores incluso. ¿Por qué? Porque la idea es que la iglesia comprenda de que ningún servicio es left behind o es como separado, sino part parte del servicio one servicio or una congregación puede tener maybe more people than the other or more resources than the other one but al final todos trabajamos on the same vision the same mission and the same goal
0: yeah we're one family and 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 that's really kind of the way that I view a lot of the 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 um combined services is like it's it's family time you know it's, it's
1: really nice when the, when we have a combined service you can feel that sense like excitement Y, y la emoción de estar unidos even though we're living in, like in pandemic time yeah. y muchas veces nos hemos detenido a tener un servicio unido por las cuestiones de la pandemia when we have the chance hemos tenido la oportunidad de hacerlo it's beautiful you can see in, in I'm not talking about like see the, the el santuario lleno you know like the the building packed but I'm talking about the feeling of like oh hermano it's good yeah. to see you. even though they sometimes because they run into like Service and then Sunday school is difficult, but it's good that they can sit with a brother or sister from the other service
0: yeah. next to it. You know, and seeing those in meses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a, a, a really a really interesting thing. Now, um, you know, we we minister in a primarily Hispanic context, so um, you know, Spanish service obviously uh, is Spanish speaking. So you know, you've got majority Hispanic um, in that. Um, in our service, our, our English service, there is still a majority Hispanic. Now, most of them are second or third generation Hispanic, um, like me, fourth generation. Uh, and, and so there's differences uh, in that. There, there's English preference. Uh, there's some similarities um, in, in the culture. But let's talk a little bit about that. What, what um, do you feel like we've you know uniquely, what's kind of positioned us uniquely as a church to a minister in the Hispanic context uh and and let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the differences that you've noted uh, both you and I have taken some courses on you know ministering in the Hispanic context um when we've worked on our masters at, at DBU um, but uh kind of let's let's talk a little bit about that what have you seen specifically maybe from your context of the Spanish service and that kind of thing
1: well creo que lo que Puedo ver de alguna manera en una iglesia multicultural es una iglesia que es rica, es rica en experiencia. And, and there is something that we need to understand, you know, like God is showing and is teaching us uh, in different ways. It's not just my way, the best way. Dejame te comparto una historia rapidito. Cuando estaba en una clase, un profesor nos contaba acerca de cómo nosotros a veces, como misioneros, tratamos de contextualizar o llevar a las a los pueblos de acuerdo a nuestra visión pensando que es la mejor no y hablaban acerca de um, un grupo de misioneros llegaron y fueron a a traducir la Biblia en el idioma de esa tribu bueno en la parte hay una parte en la Biblia donde dice no solo de pan vivirá el hombre no pero viene y, y el misionero se encontró con la tarea de que no no sabían que era el pan <risa> Entonces, al final del día el, lo que puso y para algunos puede ser ofensivo pero tenemos que pensar más allá del hecho de es mi es o es my way o es the best way y en este caso el misionero tradujo no solo de bananas vivir al hombre that's it's funny algunos cuando estuvimos en esa clase de pastores muy conservadores se ofendieron y dijeron eso es un pecado no debes de tra-. pero al final del día creo que cuando tú tienes esta conexión multicultural tienes ese toque multicultural tú te das cuenta que it's not my way the best way it's God's way y, y su y su proporción de la cultura Él se puede mover tanto en una cultura hispana como una anglo, como una afroamericana, como una asiática. El problema es que para poder entender eso necesitas tener una conexión, necesitas tener un contacto con las otras. Y creo que esa es la belleza de nuestra iglesia. En los últimos años hemos tenido personas de Colombia, Venezuela, hemos tenido Sudamérica, Centroamérica, hemos tenido gente, como tú dices, tercera, segunda generación de aquí, que aunque tu cultura es americana hay muchas tradiciones hispanas que los hacen regresar y es otra es otra cultura que hay que respetar también so creo que en ese aspecto para mí el hecho de tener una iglesia multicultural te abre la mente
0: al a ver a dios trabajar the best way, not just my way and I think that's that's incredible um and I think that sometimes like i i've I have never really looked at it from that perspective but it's it's exactly i mean you're exactly right that we have so many different perspectives and different ways of doing things. Um, and even within um, the context of Hispanic, sometimes we lump all that together. And there's so much diversity in that. And you, you mentioned, you know, different countries. Um, and there's different ways that 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 things have been done and uh, different ideas and, and perspectives that are brought even from different countries. And I think that's a, a really key thing is to understand you know that that uh, Hispanics not a monolith right it, it, there's there's variation within that there's some general principles uh you mentioned family being a uh, something that's very rich um that unity is is something that we see across Hispanic even even in second and third generation Hispanics that that family maybe not as much but it still is is a deep part of it um and uh and so this can be an overarching theme but even within there what does that look like you know and and there's differences in that uh, uh, you know, among different countries and different things like that, and so um, I think we are positioned uniquely because we have different different views uh and different people and 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 it's it's continuing to expand it's continuing to grow and we we want that to be uh something that uh changes and 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 continues to to um to get more diverse as time goes by. um, I think one of the things that that makes us uniquely positioned also in this Hispanic context is um that we have individuals who not only come from different backgrounds, um, but also come from different education levels. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this church because we've got people from varying degrees of educational levels, work experience, and that's also a form of, of diversity. And we sometimes you know think diversity in terms of just you know racial diversity, um, but there's also uh, a diversity of socioeconomic levels. And I think that also helps us um, really begin to think through certain things differently, um, because sometimes we get very trapped in our, our socioeconomic bubble that we don't really begin to realize that there's things outside of that. Yeah, a veces pensamos porque, pues, you know, crecí en el south side de San Antonio. Eso es todo lo que es, lo que es. Yeah, yeah. This is my barrio. This is, you know, this is. La, la cosa que yo conosco, pero hay un mundo fuera de eso. There's there's a whole world outside of that. And so we have to to uh, you know, by having people from diverse different backgrounds, you you end up seeing outside of that. Yeah. And you know, I think about um when when I grew up, uh my father was a pastor in in uh Fort Worth. And so there in that in that area, it was the north side of Fort Worth. You had people that I mean they stayed most of their life in the north side of Fort Worth, but um they would begin to see things outside of that. And, and it opened up their world. Well, I can go to college. Puedo ir a la universidad. Puedo ir a estos lugares. Puedo viajar. Y, y, y entonces la, la mente se abre a diferentes uh, cosas y, y culturas. And so I think that that's also a, a beautiful thing that we have. Um, we've got people with PhDs uh, who are doctors, and, and we've got people from you know all kinds of different you know, teachers and uh, all different you know walks of life. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a, a beautiful thing as well.
1: Y solo para agregar esto, y de ahí me gustaría tocar un poquito acerca de no solamente the, beauty, the beautiful part of this, but también los peligros de, no, no. porque también hay peligros en esa parte. También tenemos una diversidad en generaciones. en weekend can live then, uh, w- no debemos dejarlos afuera, ¿no? Porque uh, creo que muchas veces tendemos a ocuparnos solamente de nuestra generación. Uh, because they understand me and I can be more appealing with them pero al final del día tenemos que entender que hay generaciones que van delante de nosotros que no podemos dejar atrás y ellos merecen también el hecho de sentirse parte de esta iglesia como generaciones jóvenes y, y incluso pues eh, muy conocido el versículo donde Pablo exhorta a Timoteo no le dice que nadie tenga en poco tu juventud sino ese ejemplo, ¿no? Pero muchas veces vemos a los jóvenes como ah, nomás deben de entretenerse y, y al final del día debemos de hacerlos partes no solamente de la iglesia, sino del crecimiento no especialmente en las épocas donde vivimos donde si nosotros no lo hacemos, el mundo lo va a hacer, y, y ya nos hemos dado cuenta la agenda del mundo, ¿no? que es lo que estará enseñando, ahora en cuestiones de los peligros el, yo creo que un peligro muy grande en en una iglesia multicultural es la tendencia a pelear, ¿no? ¿por qué? porque nuevamente, mi manera en mi, muchas veces me he topado por lo menos en, la, en el contexto hispano de que Pastor, es que allá en mi país así se alababa al Señor. Pastor, es que allá en mi país el pastor hacía esto. Pastor, es que allá en mi país... Y tendemos a olvidar que estamos contextualizando ahora en una iglesia o en un país que es multicultural. Nuestros países por lo general no tienen ese toque, ¿no? ¿Por qué? ¿Por qué? Porque por lo general vas a vivir con la gente que es socioeconómicamente igual, como decías, que nos conocemos de mucho tiempo, y entonces la iglesia se vuelve... Sí, una familia, pero un poco más llevadera, ¿no? Puedes tú trabajar porque sabes la, los horarios, sabes los gustos, sabes qué es lo que puedes hacer y no puedes hacer. Cuando tú vienes a una ciudad como San Antonio, que es tan multicultural, y a una iglesia como esta, tú tienes que ser muy cuidadoso de cómo trabajar en el servicio, porque no estamos para complacer a las personas, pero tampoco quieres rechazar esa belleza de cómo ellos también han aprendido a alabar al Señor. So it's difficult. I, I, I me encontrado muchas veces en, el, en los puntos en los que digo, ah, yeah. que
0: debo de hacer. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because, on, on the flip side, you know, you know from, from a, a, a context of being, you know, someone who's grown and born in the United States, I think we str- struggle with the same thing too because, well, we've always done it like this. This is the way that we're supposed to do it um or you know there's there's you know this is our culture this is the dominant culture and there's this uh, amount of um uh of uh, you know as 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 believers to, we need to celebrate you know some of these other cultures that are coming in and we can get into this american mindset of saying well this is the way that we do it here you know and that's also a dangerous mindset to have so on the opposite end it's it's also you know understanding that hey we need to be open and and willing and ready to to um, you know, be able to, to accept and understand other cultures and celebrate those cultures. And I think about it from a, from a, a you know, missional perspective, right? Um, you know, what we're doing is we're being on mission. If we're gonna be a missional church, uh, the mission field in many ways has come to the United States, right? Because people from all over the world are coming here to the United States. And one of the things that we've seen, the danger of missional work um, is this kind of uh, uh, savior mentality, right? We go into a mission field, and we try to bring everybody into our culture. And we say, well, I'm going to change their culture because my culture, I bring my perspective, my culture is Christian. And, um, and so the same thing can happen in our local context, where as people from diverse backgrounds come in, well, you've got to adapt to our culture because our culture is Christian. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not what the, the scripture says. It's not what we, we see throughout the, the, the Bible. And so um, we have to be able to learn that we are also being missional. Um, in our in our perspective of there's certain things that we're going to to change and adapt and celebrate uh, within our church and and I think that that uh, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add to that point. No, no. Or-
1: no más digo. Uh, the only thing that we need to maybe go deep in, in another conversation if you invite me. <laughs> it's about that. It's it, it's about that. You know how we can uh, work or navigate uh, in order to not to please the people but to work together porque te digo cada vez um, tú vas a tener personas de diferentes trasfondos culturales y es tú no quieres que ellos se sientan como como tú dijiste no mi cultura se impone la tuya pero cómo trabajar todos juntos y creo que una de las maneras es siempre yendo a la sana doctrina creo que um, si nos enfocamos en ser una iglesia más que cultural uh, bíblica eh, tú eliminas muchos aspectos de prefieren esta cultura que la mía.
0: yeah and and I think that's that's a really uh, you know uh interesting thought because you know at the end of the day the the small details um aren't if, if they're if they're non-essential small details they're more cultural things then we can kind of put those to the side and what we're focusing really in on is what what <laughs> What is important? you know it's that it's that solid you know theological basis and and what is the doctrine, what are the things that we see in the scriptures? what are the absolutes, right? What are the things that are, or when we use the word orthodox, or what are the orthodox beliefs? and then from there, you know the other details um they can they can vary where you know we use this term you know closed hand doctrine, open hand doctrine, mm-hmm. right? and uh, some things that are open hand, we can say you know those you know they're they're not as important. we can vary on those, but these closed hand essentials. We're we're not going to vary on and um and so I, I just, that kind of leads me to the last point that we'll we'll talk about today. But it's um this idea that uh, what would it look like to have a, a a multicultural, multiracial church in the future? I think one of the things that you said was really key, though. If we go back to the Bible and we continually go back to that, uh, I think that helps us um begin to do what God has called us to do. What I mean by that is our tendency, like I mentioned earlier, is to, is to get into our own groups, our own cliques. Um, and it doesn't really matter how, uh, how long you've been a Christian. You're always battling that. And I think we see that, you know, historically, even within our country, is why were churches saying, you know, we're a white-only church, we're a black-only church, and these people were Christians? And we, la- I mean, there was literally labeled, this is, and, and you know, why was that, um, you know, how could someone who was a Christian now, and we look at it through our perspective, how could someone that was a Christian say that? But I think part of that is because there's a tendency to move towards that type of thing, even as Christians. So we have to battle that. And I think part of the way that we battle that is by going back to the scripture, going back and, and having that close relationship with Christ. So that leads me to saying, okay, so what, how does that look like? And and how do we relate that to what we see in the Book of Revelation, right, where you know every tribe, nation, tongue, um, you know, from your perspective, you know, what would you like to see that look like, and and we can maybe talk about a little bit about that, and, and that's what we'll sort of end our, our podcast today.
1: think well, well, uh, that, De alguna manera vuelvo a lo mismo. De es difícil o es um, como tú dijiste, es una tendencia natural, um, y es contradictorio al mismo tiempo porque no estamos llamados a la unidad pero siempre vamos a tratar de enfocarnos, de trabajar de una manera efectiva con los grupos con los cuales uh, nos identificamos, lo cual no está mal. Creo que no es malo porque tú quieres servir de mejor manera, quieres predicarlo, predicar la palabra de acuerdo al contexto que ellos puedan comprender. No Es, es sumamente entendible y te lo pongo de, en este aspecto. Si nosotros forzáramos a la cultura hispana de primera generación a venir a una iglesia que solamente se predica en inglés, imagínate eh, la diferencia que hubiera en la interacción, el hecho de estar traduciendo tal vez con aparatos o una persona, no no sería el mismo, el, el mismo no solamente el impacto, pero el hecho de de, de deliver the message en, en la manera más efectiva posible. So, en ese aspecto te digo, no lo veo mal, eh, pero al mismo tiempo, Creo que una de las cosas que nos puede ayudar a poder romper estas barreras de división es conectándonos, es nosotros intencionalmente poniéndonos a, en contacto con estas culturas. Una de esas maneras puede ser las misiones. Y, por ejemplo, en estos últimos meses, estos últimos años como iglesia, intencionalmente nos hemos puesto en la tarea de eh, ser una iglesia misionera. ¿no? ¿Pero por qué? Primeramente es nuestro llamado pero en segundo nuestra iglesia necesita entender las necesidades o oh, que hay un pueblo que tal vez no ha escuchado la palabra del Señor y no son tan diferentes a nosotros, ¿no? Entonces, creo que en ese aspecto es es relevante el hecho que la intencionalidad, the intentionality of the church being focused on the, the idea to present the church or guide the church to the other cultures as well.
0: Sí. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a key aspect of um, kind of stepping out of our comfort zone, right? So we talk about, you know, what is the, the counting the cost? We've, we've mentioned that, you know, what are the sacrifices? Um, what is getting out of that comfort zone look like for a lot of us? And I think all of us struggle with that. There's certain people that maybe we're uncomfortable interacting with. And one of the things that fosters prejudice, you know, racism um, is, is this idea of not knowing. It's just a lack of education. I don't have anybody from this particular culture in my life. Therefore, I have preconceived notions about what those people are like. And um, and we're all guilty of it. And you know, I, I think one of the things that we 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 get really upset about, you know, people and we say, Oh, that person's a racist. And then if we we're really honest with ourselves in our own lives, there's certain things we we do the same thing many times. Um, maybe we don't do it as overtly, but we have these preconceived notions, and a lot of that comes from just not having spent time with people.
1: Inconscientemente venimos y hacemos racismo. ¿Por qué? Mm-hmm. Porque escogemos a nuestros grupos y, y nos es difícil poder integrar a alguien diferente culturalmente yeah. a nuestro círculo.
0: Yeah, and I think so, uh, you know, we've done work with the Arabic community in the past. We actually have a meeting tomorrow with mm-hmm. uh, uh Pastor uh, Rye. Pas- yeah, Pastor right from the uh, First Baptist Arabic uh church and um and so I think that's a, you know, these are things that what we're doing is we're, you know, interacting with other cultures and and beginning to uh, love them and and build relationships with them and those are beautiful moments because that's where the church becomes what we see in the Bible is is we see uh you know uh, a church a, a group from every tribe nation and tongue you know
1: yeah. y que we we can take away some labels that de una falta o en una manera de ignorancia los hemos puesto, los han puesto culturalmente. Por ejemplo, tú mencionaste eso ahorita el hecho de trabajar con las y, uh, con la comunidad árabe, no um, como la sociedad ve a la comunidad árabe y tú puedes y, y todos los que nos estén viendo saben de qué me estoy refiriendo. No los vemos como personas malas en muchos aspectos y no los voy a mencionar porque no es necesario, pero Al mismo tiempo, cuando tú te identificas, cuando tú conectas con ellos, ves una gran similitud con la, con la comunidad hispana, pero no los conoces hasta que no, no tienes ese contacto con ellos. Hace como tres meses, el pastor Ryan me invitó a su iglesia. No entendí ni papa. <laughs> I didn't understand anything that he was saying, but it was beautiful just to see how this small church. It was a family basically. Uh, they were praising the Lord and they were uh, talking about the Bible. You know, in uh, his wife came Next to me, and she translated me the whole sermon. So, tú puedes ver esa idea de eres bienvenido. And we want to facilitate. Queremos facilitarte lo más que podamos el hecho que tú te sientas como en casa. Si ellos pueden hacer eso, ¿por qué nosotros no hacer eso con ellos también? Y creo que volvemos a lo mismo: la intencionalidad de exponernos a las necesidades y a las culturas. No es 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 indispensable para el crecimiento
0: y para tener una iglesia unificada. No. Ya. Yeah. So, just to kind of wrap everything up, um, I think you know kind of in the future, what would be amazing to see uh, in our churches is you know continuing to be, as you said, intentional um, with uh, you know creating a a multicultural, diverse church and, and that's not just you know ethnically, um, you know so we we, we see you know African Americans and Hispanics and Asians and you know people from other countries all gathered together you know in in, in our church, but um but also Different socioeconomic levels. And then, like you said, you know, different age groups, having a, a wide spectrum of age groups. Um, and I think all of that stuff builds a beautiful body uh, of believers um that is that are working towards a common mission and goal, but from different perspectives. And so we're able to accomplish. And so I think that's a, a beautiful vision for us to have as a church. It's what we're hoping to work towards. I hope that, you know, our congregation that's listening today is can hear this and and get excited about that and say, how can, how can we? Uh, begin to to be a part of that. cómo podemos ser parte de eso? Tengo amigos de diferentes culturas, invitarlos a la iglesia a ser parte de, de, de una iglesia multicultural um con con diferentes uh, um, uh, perspectivas. And so I think that would be a, a, a wonderful thing.
1: y creo que antes de invitarlos a la iglesia es how I can be part of their life. Creo que tendemos muchas veces y te digo es el, nuestro llamado es que sean tenga una relación con Cristo uh-huh. y que ellos puedan tener una necesidad de congregarse. Pero en ese proceso muchas veces olvidamos la tendencia de necesito ser su amigo primero, necesito conocerlo a él primero, porque creo que como cultura muchas veces pensamos que nuestra primera tarea es traerlo uh-huh. y que conozca mi cultura y que uh-huh. se adapten a mi cultura y entonces ya eres cristiano. Y creo que muchas veces, y lo hemos visto Nuestra tarea es poder entrar a su casa primero, conocerle él primero. Nos, y ahí es el sacrificio que tú mencionabas, el costo del sacrificio. ¿Por qué? Porque tal vez me voy a sentir incómodo. Tal vez van a hablar cosas que ni sé qué sé qué están hablando porque están hablando ese idioma. Tal vez vaya a comer cosas que, like, oh my God, what is that, you know? Pero al final del día es parte del sacrificio y entender que no solo me importas para llenar un púlpito, llenar una banca en mi iglesia, me importas como persona. Y eso es el reflejo de la unidad. Del amor de Dios a través de su I love it.
0: That was great. That was great. Um, and if you, you know, it's Spanish, so I'll just summarize it real, real quick, but uh, loving the people, right? Uh, spending time with them um, and not just to fill. I love what you said, not just to fill a, a pulpit or a, a seat at church, but because you actually care about them. Um, and that's what we want to do. That's what it means to, to, you know, uh, live the life that Christ has lived, you know? Um, so, all right, guys, that's it. That's what we got for today. Thank you guys for joining us. Osman, thank you for, for being a part of this. Like I said, you know, yeah, Osman's not a guest. He's family. Uh, so he's he's a pastor of the church. So it's poor over with pastors today. Um, and uh, and so, you know, this is definitely the the first of many. We'll have a lot more conversations. Um, and so excited, excited about you know this podcast. And and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Um, very, very quickly, uh, because we have a meeting to go to. Uh, we have a couple of questions that we wanted to answer just real quick. And we will uh, do this. This will be kind of the way that we'll wrap up today. Um, Osman, do you mind starting us off with the question? Yeah, claro
1: que sí. Um, I think you have the question about how does it look to have a. uh, No, no, no. I'm so sorry. (laughs) How do you know? What is God God telling you and what is your mind telling you? En español es cómo sabemos cuando Dios nos llama o nos está diciendo algo y cuando es nuestra propia mente. Pues estuve investigando un poquito porque no quiero nomás decir, bueno, que sientas paz en tu corazón, porque creo que esa es la respuesta muy general, ¿no? Pero la idea es, y estuve estudiando un gran predicador en español, se llama Miguel Núñez, cuando puedan verlo, tiene un podcast fabuloso. Preguntas difíciles se llama su podcast. Y, y hablaba acerca de esto, ¿cuándo sabemos cuando Dios nos llama al ministerio, nos está llamando a algo y cuándo es nuestra propia mente? Y él decía, y, y lo refiere en Filipenses capítulo 2, versículos 12 y 13, no déjame leerte el 13 rápido donde dice, porque Dios es el que produce en nosotros tanto el querer como el hacer. Entonces creo que cuando nosotros entendemos este concepto, entendemos que es Dios el que va a producir el querer, ¿qué significa esto? Nuestro interior. Y el pastor lo dividía de esta manera, dice, el Señor empieza a poner ese deseo en nuestro corazón de querer estar en lo que él nos está llamando. Y empezamos nosotros a ver interiormente ese deseo, esa emoción de poder servirle, ya sea en el pastorado, servirle como maestro, servirle como misionero, y Él empieza a producir eso. ¿Cómo tenemos que tener cuidado que no es nuestro propio deseo? Cuando nosotros nos conectamos con Dios más. Y creo que esa es una clave. Para nosotros poder entender el llamado de alguien, tenemos que conocer a ese alguien y no lo podemos hacer si no tenemos una relación con él. Entonces, cuando desarrollamos esa relación, de alguna manera empezamos nosotros internamente a tener ese deseo, esa necesidad, es like craving, you know, like necesito estar ahí, necesito servir en esto. Llega al punto en el cual tus dones y talentos se ponen al servicio de esa pasión. Entonces, eh, decía el Dr. Núñez, esa es la clave para empezar a entender que tenemos un llamado, pero ¿cómo reafirmamos ese llamado y nos damos cuenta que no es mi emoción? cuando lo exterior empieza a alinearse de igual manera. ¿En qué sentido? Cuando personas me empiezan a decir, "Oye, tú tienes este esta capacidad de poder administrar a las personas, de poder dar un consejo, tú tienes ese amor por las naciones", y entonces las personas, porque Dios puede trabajar de en todos los aspectos, empiezan a reafirmarte el llamado y la pasión que tú tienes en tu corazón. Es ahí donde tú empiezas a decir, "Ja, Tengo un llamado yeah. y es donde nosotros tenemos que preparar para que nuestro interior y nuestro exterior se alineen a la voluntad de Dios. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, and so just to kind of summarize it in English, it's this desire, right? So God develops the desire in your heart. Uh, the other part of it is how do you understand that it's not your mind's, you know, it's connecting with the Father, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this desire that's building in your heart, but to to kind of heart check yourself, make sure you're not it's not your own desire. Mm-hmm it, you know, by, by connecting with the Father. And then the other part is the affirmation from the outside. So your gifts and your talents. And as people see that, God is working through those people to say, hey, yeah, you, you've got this gift. You, you, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Because you, you're very talented in this area. And so God can work through those people. To, and there is good.
1: no just some people. Yeah. It's going to be the people that you're like respecting, you know, that yeah. Trusted have, individuals, exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's
0: just not the random guy that you know says something, but it's the people that have invested in your life and people that you you look to as as mentors, as leaders, you know that can guide. But to understand
1: that, um, we have to expose to the Lord, and we need to understand that He's gonna align or He's gonna put in one way our talents and our gifts in order to to fulfill the passion that He's like, you know, like revival in our yeah. life now hard
0: one way i heard it was where your 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 gifts and your talents and your desires intersect is usually where that calling is people some people have uh gifts and talents but their desires are over here mm-hmm. and and you know that's kind of a dangerous thing because it's like well you're not really gifted in this area uh so you know i think that's a good and in
1: many ministries no a person in an area where one
0: yeah
1: creo que no es ahí no y es parte de la reafirmación tal vez tiene una pasión pero tendríamos que profundizar es una pasión humana o es un deseo de mírenme o es un deseo de yo quería ser músico o o es Dios realmente poniéndolo no
0: Yeah that's great Um so Lisa uh, was the one that asked that question and she also asked this question as well which was uh what would you be doing if you were not a pastor uh, and how did you know being a pastor was your calling uh, also what is the most difficult thing about being a pastor so i'll quickly kind of go through this uh, if i was not uh, being a pastor sino era un pastor um uh, estuviera haciendo videos i would be doing videos which i'm still doing like right, <laughs> <now>. right now <laughs> so if i was not a pastor i'd be doing videos which is what i'm we're doing right now right um and uh, just because that's my passion i love doing that right um, and uh, been doing it for a long time. Uh, before I became a pastor, I probably would have continued doing that if I wasn't a pastor. How did I know that being a pastor was my calling? Um, I think this is a difficult one for me because um, for a long time I didn't want to be a pastor. Por muchos años pastor. Mi papá era pastor. Mi abuelo era pastor. So the last thing that I wanted to be was a pastor. You know, because of my you know my parents and my my, my dad and my and my grandfather being pastors. But um, I think that uh kind of what you're saying when when people approach you. So one of the first people that that talked to me about this was actually Dr. Juarez. and um and so he told my dad and then my dad told me and then he in conversation he kind of told me he's like, "Well, so I just I just have this sense that you're you you should be a a pastor." And he was like, "Nah, you know, whatever." And I, it was just a real quick conversation. Um but then when Pastor Victor kind of approached me, it was one of those moments where I said, "Okay, you know, maybe I really need to think about this." Um and uh, and so I began to to really kind of uh, think and analyze and pray about it, and so my wife and I began to pray about it. And it's funny that you said about the peace thing, right? Because one of the prayers that I had, though, was "Give us peace," because I didn't want that. So there was this this kind of uh, internal struggle inside of me. Uh, yeah, como este esta cosa dentro de mí, pelea, que, esta batalla. pelea, batalla de no, no quiero hacer esto. Um, but there was a, a moment where both my wife and I uh, had a piece, right? And and we said, okay, I think this is where God wants us. The the more we prayed about it, and the more people kind of uh, counseled us and talked to us, both her parents, both my parents, uh, different people. There was this piece of saying, okay, this is this is where we we need to be. Now, uh, it wasn't a, a sustaining piece, right? There's times and moments where you're like, oh my goodness, is this really is this really what we, we you know should have done? But uh, but that, you know, in that moment when we were praying, you know, Lord, confirm this. Uh, there was this overwhelming sense of peace about that. So for us, that was a, a big thing. But I think it came with, you know, prayer. It came through really, really seeking and and setting my own desires aside uh, and saying, este no va a ser un deseo que yo tengo. Um, Señor, cambia mis deseos. And so there began to be an excitement in my heart. Man, I mean, we could do this. Oh man, this would be amazing to do at the church, and so there became this passion inside of me, and and I started to get excited about the work, and and to me that was something that that began to change, uh, and so that was confirming that calling. Um, the most difficult thing about being a pastor, uh, there's a lot of difficult things about being a pastor. Um, <laughs> Tendríamos
1: que hacer otro podcast para eso. Yeah, to a whole other <laughs> podcast.
0: But um, I think uh, some of the core things, and and you know, I've been kind of honest uh, with the congregation. The you know, staff knows this. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, maybe you think I am because of the videos and stuff like that, but I'm not a super extroverted person in the sense of, um, I don't get my energy from being around people. Um, I get my energy from being alone. Um, and so, you know, I recharge that way and there's other people that they, I mean, when they're with people, they're the people, people, and they feed off that energy. I don't necessarily do that. Um, so it's very difficult for me to, to connect. Um, and so I've, I've had to learn that. And I think internally, that's been one of the biggest struggles that I've had as a pastor. Um, and I, hopefully I've been getting better at that, um, over the the course of the the last couple of years. But I think that's been one of the most difficult parts of the, of, of pastoring. Um, the, the preaching, teaching, I you know, it, it, not that it's, you know, I'm not saying I'm a great preacher or teacher, but it, it's a little bit easier for me. Um, I enjoy that a little bit more because you're by yourself when you're reading, you know, a book or you're studying or something. Um, but it's the it's the 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 connecting outside of that, um, that's always really uh, kind of for me difficult and, and a bit awkward. You know, um, I think you know as a pastor you're put in situations that are difficult. Um, people are going through things. Uh, people have you know uh are are dealing with issues. And so one of the most difficult things for me is to 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 really rely on the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say in those difficult moments. Um, because I know that on my own strength. I'll fail, you know, I'll have those moments. So I think that's been one of the things that I think I've had to grow and learn more. And I've got a lot more to learn in that area, but it's been the most difficult part of kind of being a pastor, you know, from my perspective. So anyways, that's it. That's it. All righty. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, stay tuned for not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that for our next podcast. Perfecto, claro All righty. Sí. God bless you gracias, guys. Gracias,
1: gracias.